the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, you know the one you never knew. While you have breath, you have a choice to make in life. Turn away from your sin and believe. On the risen Christ. Amen. You can find peace in Him from the judgment that's to come. He is the shelter from the coming storm. shakes at the mention of his name he has power over life and death every knee will bow and tongue confess heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father will you bow will you Surrender to his majesty. He can save you from the might of all your sin. This is the fight in which he stands. In perfect victory. While you have breath. You have a choice to make in life. Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ 
can find peace in him from the judgment that's to come That's to come. He is a shelter from the coming storm. He's the only shelter from the coming storm. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. When I was just a boy, I lived in the country. We lived for a short time in Wyoming, a short time in Colorado, but most of my boyhood was spent in the woods of western Pennsylvania. We lived in a small home right on the Shenango River. It was swimming every day in the summer, hoeing the garden. It was country time. I didn't know any other life. I had two brothers, Roger and Don. My mother was Orpha. She lived up to her name, in scripture, it means stubborn. And my dad. Now, in our, in our church, we had a woman, Marjorie Stambaugh. She was the most unusual woman I'd ever met. She was probably my dad's age, maybe a little bit younger. I asked her once, why did you never get married? And she said, Ray, I never got married because I never found a man who was completely committed to Jesus Christ. And my greatest hope, my fondest desire, is to enter heaven's gate. And that was more important to me than a marriage. I was proposed to many times. She owned a large country home up on a hill and then down below a spacious yard, a beautiful large grape arbor with easy chairs in the arbor. And then she had fields 
I worked in those fields many times for her, weeding out what she didn't want in those fields, like mustard. Marjorie was a very unusual woman. Not a particularly pretty woman, but a character that shone through like gold. Her father died, and then her mother became ill. And when I met her mother, she was bedridden in an upstairs bedroom, a spacious room. The house was a very spacious house, lots of room. Nothing that I was accustomed to. I was accustomed to plastic drapes at the windows and no carpets on the floor. We finally got carpet on the floor when my brother Roger got bold enough to go buy carpet for $5 used. And we installed that and it made our home much warmer. I think about Marjorie often. When her mother and dad passed, she had to make a decision about what to do with this spacious house. It was much too big for one person. There were several sisters. Lillian was the youngest and probably in some ways my favorite. She was an RN. She was in charge of nursing in Greenville, Pennsylvania. And then there was Emma. And there was Beatrice. And then there were some others that they invited to come and live together with them. And together, as they pooled their money, there was enough to completely cover the cost of the house and living. When I was just a youngster, my brother Roger went over and mowed their grass. And then it was passed to my brother Don. He was ahead of me two years. And then one summer, I got to mow their grass. I've never had such an experience in my life. They had a, a push mower, gas. It would take, I don't remember, three, four hours to cut their grass, to trim everything. I remember they would come and call me to have lunch with them. And I would go in and they would show me a place to wash, to clean my hands and my face and to comb my hair. I didn't want to touch the towel. So truth being told, I never did use their towel. I dried my hands on my pants as country boys are apt to do. 
And then we'd go sit down at the at the table. We didn't sit at the formal dining room table. We sat at the kitchen table. But what a table. She had the old-fashioned paper-thin china plates. She had cloth napkins. I'd never had a cloth napkin in my life up to that point. I wasn't sure which fork or knife or spoon to use. I watched, and then I just copied and did what they did. They would have this very delicate bread, and they would have the most sumptuous jams. And they would have almost like a formal meal, all of them sitting together. What was so unusual, however, about all of this was that sitting with these elderly women, for that's what they seemed like to me at my age, it seemed as though we entered heaven's gate. There was no secular conversation. They spoke about Jesus in a way that I had never heard people speak about Jesus. They spoke as if they knew him. I think they did. And they would quote Bible scriptures. Sometimes they would say, Raymond, do you know a Bible scripture that you can quote for us? And I'd be a smart aleck sometimes and say, yes, Jesus wept. They didn't laugh at me. And then I'd quote other scriptures that I had memorized. They liked that. And then we would have conversation about when is Jesus coming? And he's coming soon. We'd have conversations about the Gospels. They would ask me, what scriptures are you reading, Ray? And I would tell them, they would ask me, what have you learned from that scripture? And I would tell them. But I had never before been with adults who only wanted to talk about Jesus, whose hearts were fixed on him. Now in my home, dad would turn the radio on and we would listen to a newscaster. And then Phil Rizzuto would come on with the sports news. And Dad would say, turn that junk off. And he was right. It was just all junk. But I was so touched by the beauty of the table we sat at. By the incredible food that we ate but much more so by the, the love and kindness shown one to another among these sisters 
Lillian was a little strange in that she spoke in very precise terms. And she expected you to listen and to know what she said. Emma was a country girl. She was a salesman for a Christian company, door-to-door. Beatrice, she was also an RN. I look back at that experience, and I marvel. I would leave that table hesitantly, and I'd go out and finish mowing the grass, and she would pay me a $5 bill. In all honesty, I would have done it for free. The experience was so exhilarating, so incredible to me. I'd never been around adults who after they had had their meal together, somebody might say, we need to pray about something. And then Marjorie and others, we'd all begin to pray and pray with fervor, not casual prayer, prayer with fervor, with depth, prayer with emotion, prayer that was expected to be answered. And then the part I loved the most, almost every time I mowed their grass, as I was ready to go back out to finish the job, they would pray a blessing for me. I don't think I'd ever heard an adult outside of my dad pray for me before. This place at the Stambaugh house was literally for me like entering into heaven's gate. And I've often wondered, and you'll please excuse me for this long intro, but I'm I'm getting to what I want to talk to you about very quickly. In my high school days, I went to a Christian boarding school. Never once did any of the professors or teachers invite me to their home, share dinner with me, and then pray together. It just wasn't done. Never once during my college years did one professor ever talk about the need to read the scriptures. It was all information we looked at. I was so excited about being able to take the course describing Jesus' life. But it was all the trips he made and all of the things he did and nothing was said about knowing Jesus. I hated the class. Seminary, same tortured time. Dr. Horn wanted to talk to us about all of the finds they were making in Heshburn and other archaeological digs over in Israel. I could care less about that. 
I wanted to know about Jesus. There was only one professor in college, and unfortunately, I never had him. But I was walking down the hall one day, and I heard him speaking about Jesus, and I listened, and I began to cry right there in the hallway. Here was a man who loved Jesus. Here was a man who who had somehow entered heaven's gateway. I wanted to do that too. Now, when I, I went to my first church assignment as their pastor, and at the conclusion of my bright, erudite sermon. This man took my hand in both of his hands and he said, Pastor, would you tell us about Jesus? And I, of course, said, yes, I will. But I never did because I didn't know much about Jesus. It was only as the years went by that I earnestly sought after Jesus that I finally began to know who this man Jesus truly is, the kindest, most gentle, most powerful man in the universe who's always providing some opportunity to know him, knowing his ways, knowing how he operates, but most of all, knowing his incredible kindness to me. And then I want to tell you the greatest disappointment of my 50-some years of pastoral work. The greatest disappointment to me has been coming into a worship service And everybody is a chatterbox. Everybody is talking about the events for them of that week. And then after the service, everybody's back into chatterbox mode. It's only at the National Prayer Chapel some years ago that we began to break through And people would actually come together after a benediction. And they'd begin to pray one with another, earnestly pray. I miss that. I had that at the standby table. I had that intimacy of prayer. I had that intimacy of of sharing with one another Bible scriptures and promises of God. I miss that in the church. And I have to tell you at the at the little home gathering of the National Prayer Chapel, we've not attained that intimacy with Jesus yet. Some people won't pray at all unless confronted. Some people will pray, but they just chatter in their prayer. They don't go deep. They don't 
express their emotion. They don't express anything that's really important to them or to us. Just full of intellectualism. That's a great disappointment to me. Now, I'm being very vulnerable for me and the church. But you see, I know that that standard across the American apostate church, it's, it's showtime, baby. It's not Jesus time. It's indoctrination time. It's prosperity time. It's not Jesus' time. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. Sometimes my heart is so broken at the prayer chapel that all I can do is sit there and say, Lord, Lord, will you change us? Will you transform us into your likeness? Twyla and I had breakfast this morning and then we had a wonderful hour of just that kind of prayer, that gateway to heaven kind of prayer. I loved it. It was real. It was honest. I'm hungry for that in the church. Revival is not going to come in the church with formalism. It's not going to come at the National Prayer Chapel with people holding back. It's just not going to come. There's a scripture I want to read for you. You've heard me use it before, but let me share it. Hebrews. The third chapter, verse one. Therefore, holy brothers, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Literally, he means that. 24-7, he means that. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Don't fix your thoughts on the car or the job. Don't fix your thoughts on, on anyone but Jesus. And as we do that, the discourtesies of our heart will be changed. We're such a discourteous people. Running over each other with our words, our ideas. I was listening to one of our members share with me after the service. And another person came up and broke right into it to share what they wanted to share. I stopped him. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, stop. Do you see what you just did? You cut off our conversation 
so that you could have your conversation. Is it that important to you? Are you that important that you have to cut off other people to tell them what you think? He was a little embarrassed. Not much. I haven't seen him again. He missed it. Do you understand what I'm saying to you today? I'm not going deep in theology. I'm saying I want to enter heaven's gateway. That's the great desire of my heart is to enter heaven's gateway. See if if I draw a straight line from my heart to Jesus' heart. I've just identified the straight and narrow path that I must walk. I've just identified it. If my path takes me veering off to the right or veering off to the left to some sports event or some concert or some... No, no. A straight line from my heart to Jesus' heart. And if that line does not intersect with what Jesus wants, I will never be able to enter heaven's gateway Regardless of my intellectual understanding, this heaven's gateway is not about primarily an intellectual understanding. Now, there is a level of intellectual information that you need, and it's all right here in the scriptures. Gospel of John, first chapter. Colossians, the first chapter. Hebrews, the first chapter all about who Jesus is. But the truth is, then we have to get to know him. And you get to know Jesus by walking that straight line from your heart to the heart of Jesus. And not turning aside. Not being distracted by the television or the movies. Not being distracted by world's entertainment. Not being distracted by anything. You go straight toward Jesus. Because when you come to Jesus, he'll invite you to enter heaven's gateway. What is it you really want? Do you want the sin removed from your heart and from your life? Only the blood of Jesus can remove your sins. He will remove your sin. He will wash you. He will cleanse you. He will purify you. He will prepare you for heaven. But only if you're on that straight and narrow path. I'm eager to see the church, the National Prayer Chapel, become a place of intense passionate prayer. 
I'm eager to see the National Prayer Chapel become a place where we share intimately our life and the success and the failure where we pray for one another, where we turn aside from the dark ways of the world, where there is such singing. Oh, I tell you, many years ago, the National Prayer Chapel was so alive. We went to a worship service and we were so heartbroken because a woman that we'd been crying out for had just passed. And then we went to the worship service and we were weeping because she was gone. The person who was leading the praise and worship that day didn't know how they could do it. Can I tell you what happened? The angels of God came and sang with us, literally, We stood there like we were in another realm as we listened to these angels from heaven break into praise for Jesus and it totally changed the worship service and we enjoyed the presence of God in such a powerful way. I want that every time we gather. And it can be that way. It depends on your willingness to be broken before God. Your willingness to say, yes, Jesus, I will go where you tell me to go. I will do what you tell me to do. Yes, Lord. I know many go to church and it's their social ritual. It has no meaning to them. They'll go into church, turn into a zombie, and when it's over, they walk out. Bright, cheerful. I want to read this for you. Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard did not combine it with their faith. Now we who have believed. Now we who have believed. Enter rest. Just as God has said. That rest is where you find the gateway to heaven. If you're interested... Becoming yoked up with Jesus only happens in the rest of Jesus. 
where you stop your own agenda. You begin to go after Jesus with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. Your topic of conversation with people is about Jesus. It's Jesus you're wanting to talk about. Oh, and there's lots to talk about with Jesus. It still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who for who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Disobedience is the primary cause. No. Disobedience is the only cause of one losing heaven's gate. Pride. Busyness. Concern for self. Waywardness. Self-indulgence. These are all the things that will cause a person to lose heaven's gate. It still remains that some will enter the rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of disobedience. Therefore God again set a certain day saying, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Verse 11, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. I want to tell you, the word of God causes action. As you begin to read the word of God, I don't care whether you're in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or if you're in Hebrews, wherever you go and you begin to earnestly read and seek the heart of Jesus, that word will begin to act in your heart and transform you into the likeness of Jesus. The word of God is living and active. That is, the word of God brings about action in your life. So my question today is, do you pray? 
Do you sing? Do you exuberantly pray and exuberantly praise the living God of heaven? Do you give forth your heart to Jesus? During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. He was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Oh, my brother, my sister, I don't want you to miss heaven's gateway. But you will not find it if there is no passion in your heart. What's the cause of passion being gone? You're stuffed with too many other things. You're overfilled with flesh desires. You're overfilled with your own objectives, your own goals, your own desires. If you want to move out of that numb state, you're going to have to lay aside everything that you want and begin to ask Jesus, what do you want? What do you want, Jesus? Can I lay aside anything that would please you, Jesus? And he'll begin to tell you, lay aside this hobby or that hobby, lay aside the television, lay aside this, that, this, come to me, spend time with me. Pray. Sing songs of praise to me, Jesus. And as you do that, your prayers, your petitions will be joined with loud cries and tears. And Jesus will save you. He'll bring you to heaven's gateway. Let's pray. O Lord, mighty King, Jesus, I come today crying aloud for your people, crying aloud for myself. Lord, I earnestly submit my life to you. I earnestly submit the pain of my heart and the brokenness of my body. I submit that to you, Jesus, Son of the living God. I submit to you any plan that I had that was from my heart and not from your heart. Lord, today I'm hearing in the Spirit that there are some listening who are earnestly desiring to change careers and to be able to make enough money to cover the cost of their family, their husband or their wife. 
But Lord, everything seems to stand in their way. They feel blocked. And I know they're blocked because they haven't spent that time crying aloud to you and asking you to intervene in their behalf. Submitting to you that they will do whatever you tell them to do. That you belong, that they belong to you, Jesus. That they want you with all of their heart and all of their soul. Almighty God, please come. Bring life to our churches, Jesus. Lord, bring life to our pastors. Lord, turn us aside from this worldly pursuit of success and ambition. From our favorite indoctrination regarding prosperity or, or some other thing. Lord, would you please come and just meet us as people and begin to take charge of our hearts and our lives. And we will confess with tears before you, O oh Jesus, how stubborn we've been, how we have refused to follow you, how, how we have gone our own way. Oh, Jesus, please come. Jesus, please come. Let us not be cast away from you forever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, my Lord. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I just have a sense. I need to pray for some people. And I'm waiting and I'm listening to know how to pray. If you know you need prayer right now, would you just on the chat line make a note? I know there is a, a desperate need for us to enter in that that gateway to heaven. The gateway to heaven. I also know that some of you feel cast off by the Lord. I want to tell you the Lord does not cast off his people. He loves you. He has a heart of compassion for you. And he wants you to respond to him with loud cries of prayer, of supplication. He wants you to submit to him. He wants you to come into agreement with his plan for your life. Some of you are sick. And where do you go today 
where there's a godly man or woman who can pray for the sick and they be healed. I don't know of any. I don't mean people who show off and are stars. I mean humble servants of the living God. Lord, I come to pray for your people today. Asking that you would strengthen them by your spirit. You know what they need today. You know the touch they need from heaven today. I'm asking, would you come and touch them right now by your spirit? That you would lift them up and encourage their hearts that they would not give up. That they would not turn aside. That they would hunger after you, Jesus. That they would enter into the praise and glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, don't let us be so full of ourselves that there's no room to cry out to you. No room to get close to you and hear your word to our hearts. Lord, please come. Please come. And Lord, many today who are listening to this broadcast know what to do, but they are stubborn at heart and don't want to take the time from their entertainment to cry out to you, and yet they call themselves Christians. Lord, there's a great work of revival that must be done in the hearts of all of us. We're missing the mark. And I come confessing with your church that we have missed your mark that we have placed everything else ahead of you. I ask, Lord, that that would change now. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we're in a very, very slow time at the National Prayer Chapel for people helping us with the cost of the broadcast. Thank you, Dirk. Thank you, Rodney. Thank you, several more. If you'd like to be a part, and I know Jesus will bless those who choose to support the work of the gospel. You can write to me at Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Not one penny of this will go into my pocket. The Lord covers us. But you're invited to help cover the cost of the radio broadcast. It runs about $4,000 a month. So thank you. 
And thank you. You can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Nationalprayerchapel.com. Thank you for joining me today on this broadcast. I know it's time to pray. I know it's time for your church to pray. We have missed God's best and we've taken the devil's best. That has to change. We've got to start crying out to God. Almighty God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your incredible kindness to me. Let your name be holy. And let every church, by the move of your Holy Spirit, open heaven's gate. Let every church be restored. Almighty God, There has to be this change. So I pray for your church. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. God bless you and keep you. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress from the National Prayer Chapel. Go to our website nationalprayerchapel.com God bless you I'll talk to you again soon Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.